Welcome to episode 740 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Rightio, Tim, welcome along to episode 740 of I Am Talk with Coach John Euston, Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? Oh, I'm pretty good, Bevan. How about yourself? Oh, I'm on top of the world. Actually, John, do you get hay fever? Mm-hmm. Do you get, have you got bad hay fever right now? Not right now, no. Oh, I'm getting smashed with it. Yeah. Taking pills and not even working, John. Cloudy old day. Oh. Getting Itchy sick. eyes, top of my got, mouth, Got sneezing. the coronavirus, you lost your, t- your taste and your sense of smell. Yeah. Uh, maybe I've got, got the rona. Keep that's, what, that's my daughter calls it. She's in Australia. And they call it the Rona. <laughs> you might have the Rona. Yeah, you might have the Rona. There we go. I'm talking proudly brought to you by You Can Sports and Nutrition that gives you longer lasting energy without the spike and crash of sugar. And then our fantastic patrons. You go first, John. Uh, Paul Madman Mitchell. I'm going to go Neil the Ninja Stafford. And Tim Beastie Besant. Okay, if you want to pick up patron, go www.iamtalk.me. On this week's show, we've got some news. We've got a hot topic of the week. We've got a roundup of the Iron Talk Kona World Championships. Controversy, John. It was big weekend. We had a DNF. Yeah. We had a DNF. Uh, we've got a couple of interviews. We have. We're going to chat to, and I wanted to do this. We're going to chat to a couple of athletes that did the full distance simulation at the weekend. Uh, so one is Dan Stoblitsky, who has been a former winner of the Hawaii Ironman in his age group, and I'm pretty sure he's won overall as well in terms of age groupers. And then we're going to talk to another fella who we mentioned last week, Alex, who's done all of the Ironman virtual reality. Races since their inception. Winger of the week, and then questions and answers at the end. Team, we had the Ironman virtual race happening over the uh, over the weekend. Uh, it was kind of like get an Ironman done over a certain time frame, wasn't it? Well, no, there was two different, several different options. Yep. Um, one, you could do it spread out through the week and do the distances. The second one was to do spread over three days, so swim one day, bike one day run one day or the other option was to do the full Monty where you do the whole uh, shamozzle within 17 hours so the one we're looking at now is the 17 hour version yeah they had 871 participants sign up only 122 finished and that's less than I expected I, I think we discussed this last week and we could be corrected but I seem to recall we said maybe somewhere between 500 and 1,000 entries and probably I, I think I might have said I'd be guessing maybe 500 finishes so I'm not giving. I, I want to give the, the people that did it a yeah. bit of love because uh, it's a bloody big challenge. You know, half Ironman is one thing, but to go out there and do a full solo and and for most of these people probably doing it uh, on a trainer for the bike leg is pretty bloody impressive. So good on everybody. Those hundred at this stage, 122 people that uh, did the full distance. Um, I'm I'm not looking in. I was going to look into some of these people to see you know what sort of an athlete this was to yep. see if it's all legit and stuff I couldn't really be bothered because I saw if you if you're gonna go if it's 175k versus 180 uh, if you're just doing this you know this challenge I think good on you so the overall winner was Joel Libby who looks to be based in Singapore when 84401 yeah, that ain't hanging around uh, so good on him he swam uh, 105.09 biked a 426 banged it out of the park and then did a 312 marathon and if I assume that may have been on a treadmill, I'm not sure. But if you ran that speed in Singapore, 
Good on you because it's not cold over there. Second was James Martin from Australia, also went sub nine with an 8.58. And then Shane Walsh was third with an 8.59.44, just snuck under the nine-hour barrier. On the girls' side of things? We had um, Monica Navloskova from Slovakia. Um, she had 10.42.22, uh, not quite a dojo domination, but she beat out Vanessa Elise and Alice from Australia in 10.56. Another 10 minutes back to Lin Zhu from China, 11.06. So Interestingly, John, so in the female side of the race, only 17 competitors finished. Mm. Males, 105. So it's a pretty poor turnout, really, isn't it? It is. Um, like, you know, like, I get it. It's not an Ironman. Who's really that motivated to go do an Ironman by themselves? Um, but 170. I, I, stu- I agree. I still would have expected a few more people to go, bugger it, I'm going to do it. Yeah. But they didn't. So, um, anyway, that's what it was. Well done to everybody who did that. I think it's a bloody, something I've never done myself. Don't know that I ever will. Uh, so we did our three-man, three-day Ironman back for our IM talk. I enjoyed that, but we did it as a group. We did it as a group. Yeah, so it was a bit more enjoyable. Yeah, but doing it solo, hats off to all those people that did that. Well done. Okay, we also had a, the Winterman Extreme Triathlon. Where was that, John? Well, it was in the Czech Republic, and I mentioned this last week, and the reason I wanted to bring it up again was because it was pretty epic. I still can't believe the swim they had there. It was a downriver swim. I'm not sure of the exact distance, but it looks to be the, the times are about the same as an Ironman, so even, you know, whatever the distance is, the, dura- the duration you're in the water is about the same. But from memory, I think it said you started in like 13-degree water, but the last 500 metres, for some reason, it must have a, must be glacial fed or something like that along the way. And the last three or 400 metres was going to be 7 degrees centigrade. Americans, I know you're in your, your Fahrenheit. 7 degrees centigrade is absolutely cold. freezing. Uh, so, yeah, they had quite a few well, more people than you'd expect to finish it. They had... By the look of it, you know, around about 100-odd uh, or so finishes. Um, so good on them. Um, we had the glove man there. He probably had his gloves on. Pete Rebrusik. He Still was going. Third place in 11-11. Um, Lucas Pazdera was... We were talking about him crazy racing back in 2006. Oh, hell yeah. You know, back yeah. when we started this podcast, it was like, this guy just never stops racing. He doesn't. He's That's 14, going. 15 years ago. Yeah. And uh, first place, David Yellick, uh, he went to 10.59. So put this race in perspective, swam at 56. Um, pretty slow first transition because you see them coming out of the water and they've, uh, first thing you see, it's still dark when they finish the swim and they've all got, must get issued these flashing lights. So you see them swimming towards shore and they've all got okay. flashing lights um, tethered onto them somehow. Uh, and then they've all, most of the ones I saw had full-on diving helmets and everything like that on. So it's pretty full-on. So a nine-minute transition. Uh, the bike time, they went uh, 5.47 and then the run was 3.45 and it was a pretty epic run to, to go up some big climb. Female side of things, it uh, looks like I think they had about only had about seven finishes. First finisher was Hannah. No, oh, I'm not even going to go close with this. <laughs> Stefanikova, Hannah Stefanikova, she won Dojo Domination, went 14.03, winning by uh, 46 minutes. Okay, so PTO have announced a couple of big announcements in the last week. Uh, first of all, they have announced the four pro athletes, the wild cards that are going to be happening for Challenge Daytona. It's Vincent Louis, Nicholas Spurig, uh, Kristen Broomfield, Georgia Taylor-Brown have been selected as wild cards. There's still four more to be announced, which will be announced on the 14th of October in a couple of days from now. Uh, those are the right names, aren't they? Well, they are, and this just came out overnight. Uh, 
Um, so for those who don't know, Vincent Louis is the current uh, world champion uh, in terms of he won one race this season, the um, uh, where was it, in Hamburg, but he also did win overall last season as well. And at the moment, he's kind of the dominant player, um, not head and shoulders above everybody else, but he's winning most of the races. Uh, so that's great. They've got the males world champion. They've also got Georgia Taylor-Brown, who also won the females version of the ITU World Championships a few weeks ago in Hamburg. So you've got both of your ITU champions. And then we know Christian Blumenfeld uh, is just a weapon. He's done some really, really good half Ironman performances. So he's got to be one of the hot favourites. Nicola Spurig, I'm not quite sure what she's been up to for the last few years. We talked about her last week because she is a two-time mm. Olympic medalist. She won gold in the 2012 in London and then got the silver uh, in 2016 in Rio de Janeiro. If she's in shape, she'll be an absolute force, um, but who knows what sort of shape she's going to be in, but a big name, which is great. And then Georgia Taylor-Brown, I uh, mentioned her as well. The, the big unknowns here for me is I don't know if Georgia Taylor-Brown or Vincent Louis have done a half Ironman. How fit um, are they going to be? Oh, they're, they're in top shape. Are they? Yeah, okay. yeah. Vincent Louis just won another race at the weekend that we'll talk about in a moment. Okay. So he is in red-hot form. Um, could whether, could, it's great then, isn't it? Oh, and, and This is cool. There could be some lightning-fast run splits. Uh, so if he can handle the half Ironman distance, uh, he's great swimmer, good on the bike, and, uh, and a fantastic runner. So... Yeah, I'll be interested to see who the next four they announce are, but they've come out of the blocks pretty well with some, you know, adding some short course athletes in with the, the long course. So should be a fascinating list when we actually see who's actually going to make the trip over uh, in the full start list. So it's uh, just a reminder. Sixth of December. Yeah, so, we've so got, basically just under two months. Hmm, so oh. everybody's got plenty of time to prepare for it and be in top shape. Gives us something to look forward to, doesn't it? It is. Okay, the PTO has also announced that they're giving more money a race towards some races. We've got the Soda Tri Games in in France. <laughs> Mondelieu in France. It's actually got a pretty good field. Yeah, so we're going to see, uh, I just get always get excited when you see um, Alistair Brownlee racing. He's down to race along with Rudy Wilde, Tim Don, Andy Boucher, Rudy Von Berg, who's a top 70.3 athlete along with Peter Hemmerich, uh, and Arnaud Guillot and Romain Guillain. So pretty solid field on the men's side. And then on the women's side, uh, I think it's going to be a complete dojo domination, but going to be fun to see how far she goes. Anne Haug is racing uh, against some others, but I think she'll absolutely crush them. So cool to have Brownlee racing there. Cool to have Anne Haug racing as well. Uh, they're also giving $20,000 away to the Great Floridian, which is a race that's been going on for a long time. So they're just yes. continuing this, throwing the money The lolly races. scramble continues. Yeah, but we know the reasons behind it. Now having a chat to Dylan McNeese. Yep, so. That is about supporting the pros and getting them out there and making And ultimately, as he said when he was on the podcast, it's about helping them survive this period, mm. which is, tell you what, no one else was doing it for them. Yeah. If they, like if this hadn't existed, how many pros would have we lost? Now, admittedly, in that Skoda Triathlon Tri Games in France, the big players are getting the money. Yes. Like yeah. it's not, it's what is it, 15,000? It's not a huge amount of money. Yeah. But so it's not, but they are still doing the top 50, aren't they? Yep. Uh, they'll, they'll, they'll do their overall prize. Like we are going to lose oh. some up and coming pros through this year, oh, yeah. I reckon. Yeah. I'll have to go out and get little jobs to just try to supplement things. But then you've got the problem at the moment, trying to get a job is probably pretty challenging in most yeah. parts of the world. John's IT update. Go on. John, what happened? We had a race happening in where? Yeah, we had a race in Italy and the name of the place, I'm going to give it a crack. Uh, 
uh, Zincana. <laughs> I don't know where it is in, front, in Italy, uh, but it looked pretty funky. I had a quick scan through. It was a sprint distance race. So the ITU races are carrying on and you know, it seems to be the same people are racing um, sort of every couple of weeks, which is good, but some pretty cool results here because Flora Duffy is back to her best and absolutely spanked everybody uh, across the board. So she had the fastest, she was first out of the swim and had a really nice, you know, 10 to 15 second lead over some very accomplished swimmers. Uh, she then carried on to have the fastest bike split and pull further away and then just to rub salt in the wounds, then she decided to have the fastest run split as well. Jeez, that's good effort, isn't it? Uh, and so for a sprint distance, you know, only winning, winning by a minute 20 or something like that, but just a dominant performance when the others are with a group and she's just solo off the front. So who is second and third? Uh, Beth Potter, and this puts it into perspective, Beth Potter is, I'm going to say possibly as a fresh runner, um, the fastest runner in triathlon I think at the moment. She okay. ran a really, really fast 5k during sort of the main COVID period, so she's not the fastest, she's right up there, um, and, and Flora Duffy put 20 seconds into her, I know it's not a fresh run, and then we had Verena... Steyshauser in third place. Uh, it was a good field. You had Katie Zverus down in sixth, Rachel Klammer in seventh. Um, so it was it was a quality field. What about boys' side of things? Boys' side of things. This is where it gets interesting. So not surprisingly, we had Vincent Louis um, he edged out Christian Blumenfeld, but they had a very close uh, tussle all the way yeah. in the run. Um, but the interesting thing for me was Alistair Brownlee. Yeah, his, sure course. Uh, over a sprint distance. He was uh, mixing it up. He had a terrible T2, um, so he lost about six or seven seconds in T2 and ended up you know, not too far back from those fellas over a sprint distance, which isn't his forte. He sort of seems to be racing himself into shape, um, so maybe it's not all over yet for the big A-dog. Jeez, like I, I would not put any money on him winning the Olympic gold, but I tell you what, I'd love it if he did. I think it would be something that would never be repeated. Three Olympic gold medals. You wouldn't think so. And I wouldn't put it past him if it was a more challenging course. But it's uh, from looking uh, at the, the test last year. Races, is it? Well, it was quite a technical little course, like lots of little corners and twists and turns. So I think they'll be able to put the weaker bikers under some pressure and fatigue them, but not to the same extent that they would have done in Rio and uh, they would have done elsewhere. So he's not the best runner now, but he's showing that he's coming back to being pretty solid. Um, and over Olympic distance, he'll be better. So I think he's moved himself out of being that, not having a chance to being, okay, maybe. he might be, in the, might be in the mix. Well, and can his body hold up for another 19 months? Yeah, but he's racing. He's racing again this weekend and a half, and this was a quality field. You know, he's beating guys like Gustav Eden, Leo Berger, um, Pierre Lacour. Richard Murray was well down the Richard bottom. Murray was well down the field. Richard uh, Henry Schumann. So it was a quality field, uh, and he did. It was quite a challenging bike course, and he put people under pressure. So uh, good on him. Yeah, it's really awesome. It's great to see his name back up there. Okay. Also, Hayden Wild did try to attempt the New Zealand one-hour record. We were talking about this last week. You've got. He did break the record. He didn't break the record. He didn't break yeah, the record. No, he didn't break the record. Uh, he, and it was just a really blustery day. He was pretty much on pace or pretty close to it for a good chunk of it. Um, but the wind got the, the better of him. And it was always going to be, if he was going to break it, it was going to be touch and go. And he was running to a schedule by the look of it that was going to have him only just, you know, pretty okay. much bang on schedule. And when the wind starts to kick, it's, um, you're running around a track, is, it's hard work when you when there's really I've fine. Never, I've never done long track sessions. 
Yeah, when, when you're running at that sort of pace, your margin for error is yeah. really, really small. So when you're a slower runner, you know, you might swing five, ten seconds a K yep. and, and then you can still sort of pull it back pretty easily. But at that level, it's a tiny margin error. And as soon as you lose one, geez, man, why don't you just go have a sleep in the corner? Oh, I tell you, man, I, need like, to, I did a race the other day. It's killed me. <laughs> um, Bevan's yawning away here. Yep. Uh, once you're, you lose a couple of seconds and a couple of laps, it's pretty hard to pull it back. So he didn't make it, unfortunately. But I think on a good day, Good conditions. Um, this this next go. piece of news has nothing to do with anyone anywhere in the world, but John's just impressed. Oh, yeah. So I took my kids. We had the Canterbury Road Champs, uh, which, so running Road Champs at the weekend. And my kids, 10K. Kids, kids were running. Yeah, they weren't running 10. They were running two and three. Um, we just stuck around and watched the first couple of laps of the 10K race. And all the boys got their pants pulled down. And we had a female win the overall total. Now, she's not from Canterbury. She travelled to do the race. And she is a New Zealand record holder. And she ran a 31 10 I think or 31 14 at the world championships earlier in the year uh, where would that put her on a world scale pretty competitive Is it? but not against the Kenyans and the Africans like I think they're running th- uh, closer to 30 okay so it's still pretty bloody good she qualified for the Olympics and stuff I, yep. I believe uh, and she pulled all the boys pants down mm-hmm. and now uh, it was most of them weren't there but still, Mike Phillips was running, uh, and she only ran 30, I think she ran 32.40 or something yeah, like that. 35. So it's not super fast, and like Mike Phillips is not at the top of his game by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, it's not very often you see a female winning a sort of a regional championship running race. Awesome stuff. Okay, some other random piece of news. John and I actually watched this when we were doing the, run, the, the I Am Talk weekend. Um, the 5K and 10K world records, both female for the 5K and 10K for the men, were broken last weekend, and our last week it was. Um, we watched it. It was, you know, it was a really interesting thing to watch, John, because it's, we're getting to this point where we really started to use technology to beat records. Mm. And as a purist, you probably hate it, but if you're someone who's trying to see sick human performance, you're probably liking it. Yeah, so what Bevan's talking about there, the, these athletes ran in a track in Spain, and around the track there was these LED lights, and it could tell you, basically pace you through, so you just need to keep, keep pace with the so lights. on the right-hand side of the lane, there's these little lights, and as they run along, you could see, they could see where the world record pace was. Hmm. And so, they, you know, just think of the two-hour, how they had the car in front of the line. It was kind of similar but different. Yeah. Um, and so they had this marker in, and the commentator was saying, are they using it? But the girl who won the 5,000 metres, mm. she actually looked back at the lights, kind of close to yeah. the end. She looked yeah. back a couple of times to make sure she had it. So <laughs> Nobody was going to be sprint finishing. No, it. no, there was no one there. But, you know, so it was a motivator or it was something that a tool they used. Oh, absolutely it would be. Your so. thoughts on it? Oh, it was, yeah, I've got no problems with that. I mean, it's no if if they weren't didn't have the lights like in in cycling, what they often do, the coach would stand there if you're doing Times. a pursuit race, and they would stand. They'd be walking back and forward from the actual finish line. Um, if you're up or down, stop doing that, Bevan. He's, they can't he's, hear it. It's bubble wrap, I've, and listen, he's listen, piss, listen. it's annoying me. Stop it. Put it away. Hit the dad tone there. Listen to that. Um, Anyway, (laughs) so I've got got no problem with it at all. Uh, You know, you've still got to run the the duration. Well, that's the thing. You've still done the performance, haven't you? Um, I guess the question mark's always going to be with, you know, at the moment with the shoes and how much of an impact that's had in terms of breaking these records. But uh, so Joshua um, Kipchigai, I think it is, and broke the men's 10,000 and the Bit Gidley smashed the woman's record. They both looked comfortable too, didn't they? They did. So he went 26-11 for 10K, um, beating a record that stood for 15 years. It was 26-17. And for the 5K, 
She smashed the record that's also 12 years old. She went 14.06 for 5Ks, uh, and the record was 14.11. Impressive. Yeah, I tell you what, that, that is it's just... And the guy, so the, the guy who won it, he's done three races this year? Was it three races? Yeah. Three world records. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe a world title and two world records. No, 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 because like one was like a, one was on, on oh, road. On 5K on the road. On a track, and then 10K on the road. Track. Okay, John, this week's discussion. So this week's discussion is... Um, what have been the best Kona moments of all time? And it can be whatever the Kona you put it down as. So John, you can go first. Um, how about you go first? I didn't realise you did so many lives of us. I've got to find where it is. You keep going down. I, I was did it, yeah, so when we did our simulation at the weekend, I, first time ever, I've done a couple of Facebook live uh, feeds. I thought, we've got to capture Bevan swimming, so I put that on. We had some comments that people uh, loved your, your board shorts, and we had a few giving you a few technique tips uh, God, I as you were going years. through the swim. I thought you did uh, quite well, so good on you. Well, you, you keep talking. I'm going to look at my swimming. Okay. <laughs> what is your all-time favourite Kona? Well, I, I didn't moment? go in front of my body. I kept it wide. Yeah, your hand, uh, as I think somebody said, your hand almost went into the lane next year. So you see my butt crack? I, did, I was wearing my butt crack <laughs> because I didn't have my t- shorts up tight enough. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no, what am I going to do? But it's was like, mate, you're committed to doing this one. Mike the Swizzle Pizzle said uh, his highlight's got to be winning the I Am Talk Kona trip in 2018. Hanging out with the boys as they interviewed all the pros was an amazing experience. If you're not a patron yet, you need to get your act together, support the podcast, and be into one. He wins. That's the best. If you're yeah. not a patron, become a patron. Uh, Doug Griffin's watching my wife, Emma, cross the finish line in the 2016 Ironman. Best day ever. Mark Dixon was saying Chrissy's win in 2011, grit and determination at its finest. I th- I'm not sure which year it was that she. That was probably the shoulder, was it? Was it was probably the, the yeah. year she'd had the bike crash fairly close to the race. Uh, Rich Coleman's got Jurgen Zach uh, when his helmet clip came off in the strap on T1. Uh, probably his best swim ever, then this happens. I don't, I don't know the story. So obviously, he was an average swimmer? Jurgen Zach? Yeah. Yes. Okay, yeah. so he comes to T1, you That's think, shit, right. he's had a good swim. That's right. He's going to win it this the year. Buckle was, was he was, a, he was an X on the bike, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Yeah, and no, then, I remember that oh, incident. Jesus. Jamie Walls says Craig Alexander's Iron Man redemption, redemption, written off, comes back and blows everyone away. He is the absolute boss. That was because that was complete Iron Man performance, wasn't it? it? Was swim, bike, run, just dominated dojo all day. The, in the previous year, he had had a bit of a bad bike ride, and everybody said, "Oh, he's a weak biker." Mac is going, "You got to dominate him on the bike." And then he, he was like, "I don't think he wasn't first off the bike, but he was like second yeah. or third, and he was in front of all the main contenders." And then just because he'd always run up to the win, and yeah. it was like he got off the bike. Kind of at the front, and you're like, yeah. just give it to him now. Uh, Lucy Francis got my favorite comment moment was uh, one where, whilst floating in the water at the start, I turned to admire the view of Kala, how is that? Kula, uh, and pinch myself. Uh, favorite pro moment, there are so many, is Iron War and Julie Moss. Robert Boom Boom Bielan says it's difficult, but I go to 2010 with Andy Raylert almost getting the crown versus Maka. Damn, that was exciting. It was. And damn, was Maka showing off his killer instinct. That yeah, was a very good moment. That really was. Uh, John Weir's got, I watched Stadler's epic bike meltdown the other day. He said that was pretty cool. I remember that when he threw his bike into the lake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was not happy. Because he'd won it the year before, hadn't he? He was, yeah, he was hot yeah. property. I don't know, yeah. Hot property team. <laughs> uh, swim, ride, run. Anytime Rinnie started running, hashtag run form, what is that? Run form, run form envy. Here we go. Louis, uh, Louis, Louis, what's Louis name? Di Giuseppe, the fly. The fly, Louis, the fly. Witnessing with my own eyes the Mark Allen passing of Dave Scott at 24 miles. He was there. He was there on the sidelines. That is well, pretty cool. on the sidelines, he'd probably be racing. 
Yeah, maybe most of them yeah. Louis, yeah. Uh, Jomu? Uh, Chrissy the Grinder McKinley uh, meeting Mark Allen she even put a picture in here in 2017 such a fangirl and Chrissy Wellington's win in 2011 post the bike crash oh, good and at least got running down the finishing shoot in 2015 to the roar of the crowd carrying the silver fern flag and then I was about to walk off the platform having Mike Riley tap me on the shoulder and give me a big kiss I interviewed him several times but that day I, I thought it was just another athlete until he did that even John said well you never got a kiss off Mike when I, I never got a kiss off Mike when I finished. So there you go. She's very <laughs> uh, Mark Funkster Brooks, 2008, when Chrissy gets a puncher. So she had the crash and she'd had a puncher. But this was the first time when she won the race. So she punched it on the bike, and uh, somebody, it was Rebecca Keat, ended up, one of her training mates, uh, stopping and giving her. Uh, a gas canister and she went on and absolutely spanked it and she was uh, Mark was saying in the YouTube clip on uh, the sort of NBC coverage Belinda Granger is um, saying she's still going to win just by not as much and, she, and this was when nobody had a clue Chrissy Wellington was she'd done one Ironman a few weeks before and uh, just came in and just absolutely dominated everybody and continued to do so for years uh, Johnny Reed's got Dane Roberts Killing the age group of 30 to 34. And I don't know what year, but there you go. Brody Edge, Jan Fredino walking the marathon with a crook back rather than pulling out. Uh, oh, Dan Roberts gone back. Going, yeah, the bit where I was picking my ass off the road in Queen K. <laughs> so nice. Yeah. Uh, that's it, John. Last one I'll do. Linus uh, Pegasara volunteering as a finish line catcher and catching all of my friends who finish, including one who... Uh, put, put, he put a lay around uh, Patrick Langer Oh nice work Nice work Okay John what are yours? Um, I've just got a couple I have got uh, Where did I put them there? I've got uh, in terms of I think if I had to have, have one single one I'd still go the uh, Iron War Mark versus Dave Oh here we go You missed a hypocritical last week No I'm, I, I know that um, But I'm saying Maybe they were just over, it's just been repeated so okay. many times But yeah. if I had to pick a moment I'd say It was just such a, an interesting moment in the race but also the history behind it was just totally. really dynamic. Yeah. Uh, then in terms of my on-the-ground live watching, I've got to say, always say uh, Marinda Carfrey. And, Especially uh, the year she ran down Daniela. Yeah. Like, I've, I've said you were racing that year, weren't you? Uh, and I just remember, and I've said this loads of times on the show, standing on Hot Corner, which is the corner of Palani and Kuakini, and watching her, uh, it was at the start of the run, like, and you thought, no just way. absolutely spanking it. Looked like she was running a three-minute K, uh, and she was just killing it. And she kept on the same form when she came past all the way to the finish. Uh, just incredible. Also, Patrick Langer, in pretty similar vein, I remember standing outside, coffee, uh, not Coffee Culture, Lava Java, and I think it was the year he came third, and seeing him run past there going, he's the only male pro that really looks like you're running at a really good pace and he went on I think that was the year he got third and then the two other ones that I've got uh, and I know everybody else only had one but I've thought I'll give oh, a couple more selfish. Um, the, the year we're watching Marino van Holnacker very nearly win the race went into the yeah. energy lab didn't win and, w- <laughs> win and winning the race <laughs> like half an hour later where is he yeah and that Came is the putting the body on the line he ended up in the ambulance he had, um, but he laid it all he? down to he try to win yeah, it he never quite got it but he, it, that, that was yeah he was in the I'm pretty sure he was in the lead or he was very close to the lead who was catching whoever like he would have yeah. won it if he hadn't blown yeah yeah. which is easy to say uh, and the last one I've got is uh, Tjorborn Sinbali who's a big guy was he from Denmark so was, I think it was Denmark or wasn't Sweden I think it was Denmark um, 
big guy learning how to master the heat. Didn't win the race, but he got in the top three. Uh, he got third one year and was pretty pumped. And he was just a big unit and he learned how to get the most out of it himself in the heat. Uh, elsewhere in the world, he could win loads and loads of races, but Kona was a bit of an Achilles heel, so that was him mastering it. If we're going to go traditional, I'll go Rick and Dick Hoyt. Loved it. Yeah. It was definitely an inspiration for me. For my own experiences, Rennie chasing down Daniela. I remember being on the... You were, I'm pretty sure you were racing that year because I remember right. I was interviewing a guy called Peter from Australia and he had a mate... A couple, there was a couple of people from Australia I was hanging out with and they had a mate racing and it was a good bunch of people. We were having good laughs and then Rennie ran past and I said, oh, if she wins this, I'll chop off my leg or something stupid like <laughs> yeah. that. And, um, and, and she did and it was just... Guts. You yeah. know, and then Chrissy, her last race, you know, like we, we were there that year, and um, mm-hmm. again, it was like didn't think she was going to get there, she was quite yeah. a long way back, and, and she, she was chasing them, really, yeah, and she smashed it, yeah, like I think she ran faster than Rennie that yeah, day. She, she? Like, normally, with Chrissy's victories, she'd be off the front, and yep. she just whilst the victory, she'd still often have the fastest run split or one of the fastest yeah. run splits, but this time she um, she had to run from and, behind. Oh, you know what, Daniela getting stung. Mm-hmm. That was pretty gutsy as well. Mm. And then Mecca. Mecca and um, Ray Lurt. Because as Ray Lurt's running up, you think mm. Mecca's blowing it again. Yeah. Like I know he'd won one by that stage, but Mecca's, Mecca's Hona, Kona history mm-hmm. is actually mainly disappointing. Yeah, it, it took him a he long time. He basically had two great it. races, mm. a couple okay races, and a mm. lot of bad races. Mm. I think he did six before he even got to top top five. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and even then, when he was great, he still had a couple of DNFs there as well. Yeah, well, he was unlucky the first year he won it because he had a bike mechanic, mm. so that kind of sucked for him. But, but you know, like that was just stellar. That was mm. that was really awesome. So those would be my highlights. John, this week's discussion, kind of talking about this last week. What are uh, what got you into the sport of? And I'm going to say Ironman here, not just triathlon. Mm. What got you into the sport of Ironman? So we want to hear your origin story. What got you into doing Ironman racing, John? Let's put the pause on because we've got an interview coming up. John Sponsor. You can. Got a great email about you can, didn't we, John? We did. Got old Terry Bessidy over in Switzerland. He did the. We talked about this last week, didn't he? He did the, the Swiss. What was it? The four. We went around all the cantons of Switzerland. So biked all over the place, went went crazy. Um, but he also did the uh, I Am Talk 70.3 Half Iron Man over the weekend as well. Did he ever sing this big year for him? He's been smashing it. Is. He's been taking on a whole bunch of challenges. And he said, since you guys started talking a lot recently about UCAN, I decided to give it a go. And I must admit, I'm loving it. Back in June, I completed the Everest Challenge on one of my local climbs and was using UCAN as energy source and never bonked. By the way, Everest Challenge isn't as hard as we think physically. For me, it was more the mental aspect that was challenging. However, John, perhaps... Perhaps you could give uh, a more practical guide in one of the next shows. I might have to do that mm. um, because I find the drink, oh, this is what we're going to do now, because I find the drink gets very lumpy and always sticks to the bottom of your bottle um, and he hears that people use gels uh, and little baby pouches. Is, is that something I've tried? Uh, since the concept is completely different as we tend to think of calories, the amount you need I find is very vague. I don't think you can makes, um, could do, you know, feed out more information about how much you actually need to consume so on on that I think it's a bit of trial and error in terms of how much you actually need to take in so you know typically when you're looking at um, carbohydrate components then the, the the sort of general bandwidth is going to be anywhere from say about 50 grams to maybe up to 80 grams of carbs per hour in yep. terms of what people can tolerate when you're just having you know your standard sports drinks gels bars etc you can slightly different um, and you certainly don't need that quantity and 
God, I don't know how much you can you'd have to do to, to take that much in, but I don't think you'd be able to stomach it. So it is a bit of trial and error, and especially if you're going to be mixing in um, some of your sp- standard sports drinks, um, bars, etc., with you can, which is what I find most athletes do rather than exclusively fueling yourself throughout the day. Um, but there are some recommendations on there on, on how much you sort of kind of need each hour. So use that as a starting point, and then um, and then tweak it as as required. Um, the the other question you had with regard regards to sort of making a UCAN gel out of the, the mix. So UCAN is, as I've said many times, quite a different consistency. Um, it's quite a bit thicker um, and you can can make gels out of it. So I asked around and they said there's no wrong way to mix it in terms of concentration. So a UCAN gel is really just a concentrated version of the energy shake. The best way um, we've heard is to put one serving of UCAN energy into a bowl, add about three ounces of water, stir with a spoon or whisk and then get and then spoon it into a small bottle. Um, this guy uses a five ounce gel flask. Others are okay with carrying things in their hands, you know, slightly bigger bottles like your, your fuel belt type bottles, um, but putting it into a small flask seems to be the, the best way to do it. Um, Have you tried that? I haven't myself, no. Um, it's something I will play around with because I've got this um, off-road triathlon that I'm going to do again this year, so that's something I'm going to try around with it. So there's your, your tip, sort of the Terry, is um, put it into a little bowl, mix it around and then spoon it into um, just a small um, flask or a baby pouch or something like that and uh, and then you'd, you'd consume it at the same rate that you would if you were having the full mix so you know the way I'll trial this is probably having about a, a serve um, every hour or so and yep. then I'll be mixing that in with um, other nutrition as well so give it a go trial and error and uh, crack on with it. Um, also um, if you haven't tried you can yet we'll have all the promo codes at the end of the show um, um, the best way I suggest you, you test out is uh, get one of the intro bundles where they've got you know a bar or two, some a couple of different flavours of the drinks and a couple of the little um, electrolyte sachets. So then you can just sort of try the consistency. Um, I would recommend you do it on a longer session where you actually can test it properly. If you just go, oh, I'm going to have uh, try the you can on an hour long session, you're probably not really going to get the benefit of seeing what it's like. So I'd test it on doing a um, you know long sort of three or four hour. Session. And is that something you, you, you know, because you wouldn't use UCAM all the time, would you, in your training? So is no. that something you'd think about, there is a duration where you'll kind of kick into UCAM kind of usage? Mm, because if you go for an hour run, you know, if you have a bottle yeah. of sports, a regular sports drink or anything, you're really not going to notice a difference no. unless you're absolutely completely depleted. So you do need to play around with it. Um, and I definitely noticed, like at the, the weekend, um, I had a lot more sports drink uh, and uh, products that, than what I normally have over the last sort of period of training where I have been a lot more focused on UCAN and uh, definitely found it a bit tougher in terms of the, the highs and lows but also just felt a bit icky with, with, with taking on a lot more sugar. So yeah. um, The other thing to say about UCAN, if you watched the London Marathon a couple of weeks ago, second place um, female there, so American Sarah Hall, um, first time I think in a long time they've had uh, an American on the podium since 2006 and she's been using UCAN for ages and recently just joined up with their sort of uh, family of ambassadors so always good to see athletes smoking it. It's always good to see so Check it out. Uh, you can, and we'll have all the promo codes at the end of the show. And you do get a discount, 15% off in most of them, and 10% in the UK. So make sure you hang out for that because we put all those codes in there. You can, as we say at the beginning of the show, it's sports nutrition. It gives you longer-lasting energy without the spikes and sh- crash of sugar. John Bo, we've got a couple of interviews coming up. 
We have indeed. First up, uh, we're going to we talk to Alex Paul. Really enjoyed this interview, um, and he did the full Ironman virtual reality event inside, uh, at least the bike inside at the weekend. So listen up to Alex, and he's a listener of the show. And here we go. Okay, guys, um, we're stoked to have today um, Alex Paul on the show. Um, a lot of you will not have heard of Alex before, but I, I put a post out on our Facebook page the other day, um, and I can't remember exactly the wording I had, but then Alex posted that he's done all the Ironman virtual reality challenges, Love which it. I thought was pretty impressive to start with. Then he went on and he actually did the, the full Iron Distance uh, simulation at the weekend. So I was intrigued to see what it feels like to do a full distance um, race by yourself. So, Alex, welcome along to the show. Thank you for having me. Uh, super, super fan from maybe 10 years ago, I started doing triathlons and um, Iron Man Iron Talk came first on my podcast list. So, very excited to be on the show. Oh, it's great to have you. So t- tell us a bit about yourself in terms of um, where you live, your, your sort of family setup, job, et cetera, and so on. Yep, yep. So um, currently in New York City, and um, I'm an iOS instructor. I teach iOS development uh, to underrepresented groups. Um, so it's like a 10-month boot, uh, boot camp, some, like a boarding school. So that's where we uh, educate people with iOS development. So we take them from no programming background to getting their first iOS job like 10 months later. Um, as far as like athletic background goes, um, not a swimmer, not a biker, not a runner, but I've been um, caught with the I am bug for like the last 10 years. My wife got me into triathlons um, back uh, in 2010, if I recall. Um, so what happened was New York City Marathon is ran by the road runners and the road runners back then had a sprint triathlon. So she's like, hey, why don't you do this sprint triathlon thing? At that point, I have no idea what triathlon even means. So I had to look that up. I had to figure out how to swim. And then I got into the triathlon. And then since ever, ever since, I've just caught the bug. Now, you've, you've got a bit of a, an accent there. So where are you from originally? Yes. So I'm from the West Indies. You guys play cricket, right? Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. yeah. <laughs> Come on, Virgit. I've got a signature. I'm so yeah, man, really so... proud of that signature. He's an amazing player. There you go. I'm from St. Lucia, actually. Uh, Caribbean um, island, very small island. Um, maybe 238 square miles, if anything. So it's pretty small. Um, so I moved to the United States back in 1999. And ever since I've been here, I met my wife here. I have two kids here. So New York is my home now. Nice. So you're going to be one of the very few listeners when we talk about cricket and you know, American-based listeners that has any idea what we're talking about. <laughs> exactly. Did you, did, you do, did you do the Ironman in New York when it was there? Or was that before your time? No, I was... Very excited to get into it, but unfortunately, at that time, I just couldn't pony up the the, the race fee to get okay, it. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> so, um, so you've done all the virtual reality sort of events. What was the motivation to do that? And did you sort of race them, or did you do them more as training sessions? I did them as training sessions, and also to be consistent, right? Like just with training, and it's easy on the weekends because I'm a big Zwifter as well. Um, so what happens is on the weekend, I'm like, what should I do? What, what training should I be doing? And when Ironman came out with the virtual series, I'm like, this is the way I just train. I basically have my weekends just do swim, bike, run or whatever the sequence is. So since like VR one, I got into it, I got hooked. Um, and it's very easy. Like you do the workouts. The, the hardest part of it is the technical challenges. Um, 
I think there were two VRs I had to redo either the bike or the run just because either you did over. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, either you do over the distance or you fell shy of the distance or some technical glitch with whether it be Garmin is down for the weekend because of hacking situations or whether it is Strava and Iron Man is added. Um, you have to figure out like how can you upload your data. So the biggest challenge has to be the technical issues there. But apart from that, just like getting into the zone and just like say next weekend I'll be doing VR5, next weekend I'll be doing VR12, whatever it is. And that's it, really. Um, it, for those that haven't ridden Ruby before, I mean, um, were you, so you said you're a Zwifter, but were you doing the, the sort of all the virtual realities on Ruby or were you doing them on yep. Zwift? Yep. I think the first one was VR1, what I did on Zwift, or was it the first two? Either or. But um, straight after that, they started coming out with more restrictions as to what platform you use and such. I get it. I understand. So I quickly moved, um, not over, but I also got a second subscription. Um, <laughs> don't let my wife know that. But uh, <laughs> I got a second subscription. I'm like, you know, I need to be doing Ruby as well because um, part of it is like you're doing a lot of like real world courses where you're not going to go to all those Ironman events. But with Ruby, you have an advantage in like riding whatever. Like I think there was a New Zealand course there or yeah. was it Keynes? I think Keynes was, was yeah, one of the New courses well. yeah, um, yeah. on Ruby. So that part of it is like really exciting, but I miss like the interactiveness of Zwift where you could like give people ride-ons and such. But right now I'm on both platforms. So, yeah. Well, would you just tell us about your ability before the series? Like how often were you racing? What kind of, did you do Ironman or more yep. 70.3s? And, and kind of what kind of level were you at with your kind of racing? Yep. So I've done, um, it may sound like I've done multiple Ironmans, but I've been just like a student of the sport. Um, I got into it, as I said earlier, my wife got me into it in 2010. And then I incrementally went, went up from sprint to Olympic to half to full. My first full was in Iron, um, Lake Placid. Lake Placid, really nice village, really nice place to have an event, an Ironman especially. So that was my first. And my second was in Sweden. And Sweden, of course, is awesome as well, where you get to bike over the bridge and you go to Erland. And uh, that was amazing. So all in all, I've done two Ironmans, but, but as far as like... Iron Man um, education, how you should train and all that stuff. It's part of my lifestyle now. So it's like you wake up, you brush your teeth. I wake up and I jump on the bike and I do a run. So it's not like a chore. It's more like a lifestyle at that point. Yeah, no, love it. It's good to see you follow the, the John Newsom at least three-year plan yeah. to, to build up to Iron Man. So well done. Ex exactly, exactly. Like you jump into it right away for a $5,000 bike and you realize, oh, that's not yeah. for me. <laughs> that's not the way, right? <laughs> so obviously big, big uh, event last weekend. Um, was there anything, you know, you, you say you've been a student of the sport, um, but you've only done two iron distance races. So was there anything sort of worrying you about last weekend um, or were you pretty confident you could make it happen? I, I got to go back to it. It's technical challenges, really. So everything I did, technically, I had a backup. Like with Ruby, I had a backup where my Garmin was also grabbing data for even case Ruby crashes like 80 miles in, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I had, I had my backup Garmin um, along the way. The swim, I had my Apple Watch as a backup on the swim. And the run, I had a backup Apple Watch and that failed miserably. Oh, and my really? Garmin, I don't know if you guys have time, but my Garmin also died on me 30K in on the run. <laughs> so yeah exactly so at that point i'm like wait this never really happened to me what should i be doing like if i if it dies will i lose my data will it resume the data so i had to call my wife which was a big supporter for me like she really supported this whole thing um so i called her be like hey honey 
um, I need my, you know, my charger because I'm 30K in and my watch is dead. Um, so she drove back to the city. She picked me up. I charged it for like 20%. And then, of course, like it did not resume the workout. So I had to do like oh. a, a next. <laughs> yeah, I had to do a next 12K or 12.2K um, to finish it off for the 42. So I'm like, OK, at this point, I've done the distance. So if Ironman doesn't recognize it on the platform, that's whatever. It's OK. I know yeah. I did the marathon. So I went online, being a software engineer, I'm like, there got to be a way to merge two activities together. So I quickly did a Google search and I found out you could merge two activities together. So say you have a 30K run and you have a 12K run, you could merge the two, it comes 42K. So I was able to merge that together because initially when I uploaded the two run workouts, my marathon was not registered on the yeah. Ironman platform. So I'm like, okay, shit, I got to go to bed. <laughs> um, get up in the morning, find out like how to um, how to merge them. So I was able to successfully merge them, and then um, there and behold, my marathon got recognized by the Ironman platform. So now I'm still holding this trick where I'm still 27 and counting. I was hoping for a break, but it looks like there's 28 right around the corner. <laughs> um, tell us about what you did for your swim, because I, I saw your yep. profile on Strava, and it looked like you did a lot of laps of a, a relatively small beach. So tell us what yep. you did for your swim. Yep. So logistically, that was like the biggest challenge as well, um, was getting to an ocean, because right now I'm in New York City. And in New York City right now, there's different neighborhoods that's like zoned out. Um, not zoned out, but in red zone areas for COVID. So my, unfortunately, my neighborhood is in the red zone. So the pools and everything is still closed. So I decided to go to the ocean, which is like 45 minutes drive away. Um, and where I swam, very nice, calm uh, beach area. And between the two coves, it's maybe 300 meters or 350 meters, something like that. So I'm able to go back and forth, really calm and very nice. It was a nice swim. The temperature, the water temperature was probably like 19 degrees Celsius. Um, so that was pretty nice. And I swam with booties and um, very comfortable. I had a sleeveless wetsuit on. Um, the swim was okay. The biggest swim I've done this year was maybe 2,000 meters. So again, like I wasn't going to go gunning out on the swim. I know I haven't swam like um, consecutively or even like volume high, um, wise, but I know just I've swam 4K before. I have a, I've swam 10K before, so I know what it takes to just, you know, go through the motion and finish the 4K swim. Um, funny enough, I was telling my wife, I'm not a swimmer. Again, I'm not a swimmer. But I was telling my wife, with all the three sports, like, I still feel there's somewhere, if you have to increase any part of the, the Ironman, it has to be the swim. Because I feel like 112-mile bike is hard. A marathon is hard. But the 4K, you could kind of get, get your way through it. Um, so I was able to get my way through the swim. So that's 45 minutes going to the um, ocean, 45 minutes coming back. And again, Ironman kicks off the clock the minute you start. So the minute I got back home, I jumped on my trainer, jumped on Ruby, um, had my Gatorade, my drinks, my gels, everything ready to go, two fans ready to go. And I biked half of the Ironman Kona course on Ruby before, so I knew what to expect. And as far as like power, I went maybe, what would I say, like 75% of my FTP. My FTP right now is like 326. So I did like about 220, 240-ish, like just like going through the motions of power and felt very comfortable. If anything, I was very surprised with like finishing like 520 because I'm like, oh man, did I overdo it? Like, am I going to survive that run? Um, so, <laughs> but that, that, went, that went pretty well. And then I transitioned to the run really quickly because I was home down in the basement, went back upstairs, jumped into my 
um, not the running clothes, I, I kept the, the same tri suit on, but I um, put my snakes on, head out the door, went down to Central Park. I mean, the whole thing was exciting, right? Like I've done two Ironmans, but sport is like so special in the fact that you're able to be your own race director. You're able to <laughs> say, I, yeah, you're able to say, I want to go to Central Park. I want to go down to Fifth Avenue. I want to come back first. I want to see the city. I just want to, you know, chill and make the run fun. Um, so that aspect of it, like, I'm still, like, up in the, up in the clouds because everything went minus, like, merging the two activities together. And even that I was able to fix. So everything went pretty smoothly, I have to say. I mean, it's just, again, and I mean, it's like you have to, mentally, you have to be there. Like, even on the bike, like, believe it or not, like, normally I probably put, like, a podcast on or music. I started and then I just turned everything off. I'm like, I'm doing this whole bike. I'm not going to listen to any music. I'm just in my zone, listening to my body and off the bike to the run, no music, nothing, just like in tune with my body. And it's just like me and just like trying to figure out, visualizing the finish, visualizing the next step, visualizing everything. And um, I think that was the strategy that really helped me. And I have to say, like, I'm really happy. Uh Oh, it's just, you know, you've done the big race in the crowds and in the atmosphere and, uh, Enjoyment-wise, where does this sit alongside like a normal Ironman? I have to say, I mean, the camaraderie of knowing like your friends and everything in the same race, um, that part is not there. But like the random, you know, Joe on the bridge, like the Queensboro Bridge saying, dude, go, because I had a bib, believe it or not. I'm, again, crazy. <laughs> nice. So I made my own bib um, <laughs> nice. 1978, right? So 1978 has so many um, his- historical facts to it. That's the year I was born. That's the year Iron Man started, right? So there was like a lot of things happening there and also independence of St. Lucia, my country. So nice. I made a bid in 1978. So every, I'm just like running and people are just like cheering me randomly saying, who's this crazy guy going down the bridge? Like, dude, it's like, you know, 11 o'clock. Why are you still running? Um, so that part of it kept, again, Iron Man, sometimes there's Iron Man races where you're out on a countryside alone. There's no spectators. So I think um, that aspect of it, mentally, I'm already there. So like not having the spectators was not a big deal. If anything, it's like the booth at the end, like having the finishes booth where you go in and there's like soup and everything, massages, all that stuff. But apart from that, like my wife like was following me on Strava. She was following me on um, Find My Friends. Like social media wise, my friends were like also of like just like the cheering on. I know people are cheering me on virtually. So I think that aspect of it, I did not... Um, it was missed. If anything, it was like somewhat more intimate. Yeah, it's great. Um, I've got to say, you look pretty. I, I saw. I think it was on Facebook a, a picture of you coming through the front door at the end of the <laughs> the run. Got to say, you look pretty fresh. Man, I I mean, if you if I have to go back to Sweden, I felt the same way at the end of Sweden. Just because, like, we've trained. Like, I think I trained more mentally than physically. Like, yes, I've done two Ironmans, but this could easily have been twenty Ironmans I've done. Just because, like, um, I'm very selective with where I do the races, and I don't want to do the same race over and over again. But, like, in reality, mentally, I've probably done, like, 20 Ironmans at this point. Just because listening to you guys every week, um, watching Kona broadcast every year since I started doing triathlons, I've, again, a student of the sport, just knowing everything to do. Like, I haven't ran... Um, big 20Ks or 30K training runs. So I know I cannot go blitzing out the door. 
I know if I just do the Ironman shuffle, I'll survive the run. I'll be fine. And always living an extra in the tank, no matter how good you feel, because at some point you will deplenish. Like even my nutrition, maybe like 6K to go, I'm like, holy smokes, man. Um, my Strava stuff might not upload. Like you're just thinking about all that negativity. But you quickly remove it because you're like, I'm healthy. I'm blessed. You know, through that whole pandemic, I'm able to do this race. Just keep chugging along, you know. Brilliant. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah, that's so awesome. Um, assuming we have racing back in action next season, have you got any plans at this stage? Yeah, so I'm looking at probably doing Nice um, next oh, year. Nice. That, that looks nice and challenging. And maybe along the way, because I've been doing Abdul Swift a lot on Swift. So maybe actually doing, um, <laughs> I'm trying to go to Swift again. Maybe actually doing um, Abdul West would be awesome. But doing um, Ironman Nice would be nice. Right. Awesome, guys. If you want to follow Alex um, on social media, you can find him on Facebook or on uh, Instagram. So, no, I've really enjoyed hearing your story and you've got a wicked attitude. Yeah. Um, so keep up the good work and uh, hopefully see you racing in, in Europe somewhere next year. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much for that invite. Yeah. Jumbo, your thoughts? Oh, it was good fun. Uh, he sounded like a fantastic guy. Yeah, Great dude. attitude uh, and just got out there and, and did it. So, Immersed and, in the sport too, isn't he? That's what, that's what it's all about. And what I love about it is he enjoys doing the racing, but um, triathlon is part of his lifestyle. Yeah, lifestyle, yeah, yeah. And that's just so key, especially at this time when we haven't got races, is you can st- – still just the focus of loving training so great attitude okay next up we've got another interview with who dan sabetsky so he's at the other he's an end axe of the really isn't he he's an absolute axe in the sport and uh he's also had a pretty cool experience that he's going to share with you right now okay guys um you've heard previously from alex who was a you know an age grouper who went out and did the virtual reality race at the weekend or you know completed it and then at the other end of the spectrum we've got a former age group winner in Hawaii I think he's won overall as well um, so he's uh, definitely at the pointy end of the age group field and he also did the full uh, Ironman virtual reality race at the weekend so Dan Stubitsky welcome back to the show oh thanks for having me so you, you know you're a really accomplished athlete as I said you've won Ironman races you've won your age group loads and loads what was your, your motivation to go out and, and do this um, full distance all by yourself at the weekend well, at first I wasn't going to do it, and then all of a sudden we were supposed to plan a trip to Hawaii, but we canceled that. So, um, so then I didn't have any really like anything planned in the future to do. So I'm like, okay, I might as well do this because it's Kona week. And then Monday came around, and I was kind of getting excited. You know, Kona was coming um, virtually, and then I'm like, okay. Uh, I'll do it Monday, you know. I, so I signed up Monday, and then I'm like, okay, yeah, that's cool. Uh, we'll see what happens. <laughs> what, what was your plan for each of the disciplines going into it? Because where's your fitness um, at now? Like leading into it, are you kind of race fit, or you? Where, where's your fitness in comparison to where you'd normally be before an Ironman? No, no, I was not uh, race fit. So um, the weather was going to be cool, so that helped. Um, but yeah, maybe I was like. 70 80% ish, you know, in that range. So I knew I was going to be a lot slower. I just was gonna, I wanted to finish it just to see how a full Ironman uh, run would feel again. Yeah, I've, I've because I imagine you're probably similar to me. 
when you're going and you're racing, you're racing and you don't really get to that experience where you just kind of complete events. Um, I've, I've often wondered, I wonder what it would be like to go and do an Ironman and do it at, you know, at a pretty moderate effort and just finish it. So yeah. um, how did it sort of feel for you? You know, you did, I think I saw you did 9.50, so it's about an hour slower than what you might normally expect to do. Yeah. Um, how did you sort of feel as you went through it and, and what was the effort you actually put in like? Uh, yeah, so the swim I knew uh, it was going to be over an hour, but so we started swimming and there was no lifeguard. So I was like 20 minutes into it and we had to like stop for a few minutes to because the managers were like, oh, you got to get out. And then we uh. talked to talk, uh, we talked into swimming a little bit more. So then I was 50 minutes into it, and then they're like, okay, yeah, you got to get out because the lifeguard never did show up because usually he was late Saturday morning the last couple Saturdays. So so it's like, oh, I can't stop my watch. So I'm just sitting on the deck just like, okay, now whatever. You know, it's going to be like an hour and a half. You know, it's like 20 minutes over my time, but yeah. like whatever, you know. So it's like – so then I finally – they're like, okay, yeah, just get in. And then – so I finished it, and then it's like – yeah. Okay. Whatever. You know? So, so then like the bike, I knew I was going to be around five hours ish. Cause it's, I wasn't bike fit, but I was okay. You know? And I didn't want to go too hard on the bike. Cause I knew I had the marathon and I knew I wasn't really ready to run a full marathon at full go. Yeah. So yeah, I kind of eased on the bike. So it was like five hours, you know, kind of easy ish, you know? And, and did, did you bike you inside know, or outside? Oh, no, outside, yeah. Outside, yeah. Yeah. And then the yeah. run? And then, oh, because I would have never I would have never been able to do 112 on the, on the trainer. That's kind of crazy. <laughs> so. And then took us, took us through then, the run. Then the, and then the run, yeah, it was easy until about mile 16. And that, that's where, like, the last 10 miles were pretty hard. So I knew that was going to come, but I just didn't know when it was going to come. Mm. Because I never really ran over 13, 13 miles-ish in my training. You know, it's like 13 was the most I've ever did. So, And, and, and with, in regards to the run, were you kind of pacing it or were you just kind of going on feel? Uh, how did you work through it kind of physically and mentally? I kind of wanted to – I had an idea of what kind of pace I wanted to run. So I was like – I started at like a seven-minute pace because I wanted to see if I could – if it would last that long, like a three-hour marathon. So I tried at seven. And then I made it through 13 at seven ish. And then, and then after that, it started to gradually slow down. So, but yeah, it was a struggle the last, the last little bit, especially like no other competitors out there. So if, if there's other competitors, I could probably, I could have probably pushed, you know, if I had to, but I didn't have to. So I was kind of like just easing, you know, just going you know, just running easily. Well, that's, 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 that was kind of my next question was like motivation wise, how would this compare to a race? Obviously when you're turning up to like a Kona, you're pretty peak, you're pretty motivated. Uh, was it hard yeah. because there wasn't that motivation? Um, yes and no. I, so yeah, I mean, the bike is, I love the bike, so I can, I can bike all day, not all day long, but you know, the 112 didn't really affect me, you know, but the run is where it gets tough and that's where it can affect me without being having competitors around. So, you know, 
did, did you get what you wanted out of it? You know, it was it was tough, um, and it sounds like it was actually quite a challenge to to get to the finish line. Is did you kind of get what you wanted out of it? Yeah, since uh, since I didn't get to run Kona last year because I got hurt on the bike, so I I pulled out at mile one because I broke my hip. Um, I wanted to do another Ironman. That was the last Ironman I got to do. So I was like, oh, so yeah, I wanted to get that feeling of struggling on the run again to know what I have to do for next year. Yeah. And so next year, the plan is, uh, is Kona again, or have you got any other plans, you know, assuming racing happens next year? Uh, yeah, well, I hope it, yeah, I hope it does. So yeah, I'm signed up. I got my all my races deferred till next year, so I'm doing Texas and uh, Montreal Blanc. Brilliant for for yes. now, you know, for for Kona. So, but would this be something you'd recommend to other people? Uh, no, I love Montreal. <laughs> it's so close, so close to my, and it's not real close, but it's the closest Ironman to me. So, but I did it last year, and it was just a beautiful course. So it's like, then I kind of really know what I need to work on for Kona because then I'll have another eight weeks after that so, to uh, get ready for Kona. That was a good answer to the question and I'm not sure if that's the question Bevan asked. In terms, so I think that in terms of your <laughs> race race plan next year, it's interesting, you know, you've got two iron distance races there, but actually doing, now you've done an Ironman in training, is there anything you yep. learned from it going, hey, I might actually, that was actually quite a beneficial day at the office, is that something you might do in the future or not? No, not that long. Like, yeah. I mean, I felt okay. I I felt like crap after uh, I was done, but I it I didn't feel the same. Like, usually I'm more sore after an Ironman, but I don't know if it was the different shoes I used and I, it didn't like hurt my legs as much, you know. So it's like, but yeah, I would never run twenty or do a, a full for training. Yeah, you know, I would most I would probably do after. A, Oh, like 112 bike was, you know, probably maybe 16. Yeah. Mm, nice. Just a sort of question I have, you know, every race kind of teaches you something and this is a unique experience. What did you learn about yourself as an athlete from this experience that maybe you wouldn't have learned if you hadn't have done something like this? Um, I have like, I guess the drive. I mean, I had, you know, I knew I had the drive, but I can, I can always, you can always push more than what you think you can. It's like your brain is telling you no, but your body's saying yes. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Awesome, Dan. Um, you're always a top competitor, smoking the, you're you still 40 to 44, or have you, you aged up anytime soon? Yeah, so I'm the new guy, or I'm the young guy in the older bracket, so I'm 44, 45 to 49. So you would have been racing in that category this in Kona this year? No, I would. That, so I would have been. I'm 44 right now, so I age up in uh, um, February. So, so next year is a pretty key year because you want to kind of smash Kona next year, wouldn't you? Right, right. Because yeah, I'm the I'm the, uh, the young kid in the the age group. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I think about it, I'm I'm the same next year as well. Oh well, I'm going to fight you again somewhere. Awesome. Um, love your attitude, Dan, and yeah. uh, well done on uh, a great effort over the weekend. And we look forward to seeing you spank it over in Kona next year. Okay. Yeah, I'll try. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Keep up the good work, mate. Jumbo, your thoughts? 
he's a very strong athlete, you know, when you can go out and do an easy five-hour 180K ride, uh, you know he's going some. It's interesting also you your age up. Yeah. You know, because, you know, he's an age group winner, isn't he, in Kona? So, totally. you know, when you get that level, you know, in the last year of that five-year age category, it is a bit tough for you. Mm. And so, you know, that next year, that next opportunity, you should go next year, John. <laughs> you know, you, you know, you get the race happening, you're aging up, here's your chance. Oh, well, uh, I think I'm, 45, a few years, mate. I'm a few years away from racing Kona again. It is going to happen. Uh, but Dan's a brilliant athlete, uh, brilliant biker, not such a great swimmer. Um, and then on the run, he just makes it happen. Okay, John, bro, let's have a look here. Um, we're going to go and talk about our race, the rundown of the IM Talk Kona World Championship. So we had uh, many of you guys out there and girls and guys and girls who were doing the run. So what we basically did is we put on a 70.3 distant event. Mm-hmm. And uh, people did in different corners of the world. Um, so we kicked off in Christchurch, 7 a.m. Uh, local time with a 1.9k. I did 1.9k. I think Bevan did 2k, but wasn't verified. Oh, did you that. do 1.9? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I told you, you should have la- told me that. I told you on last week's show. And then when we started. I, I thought, oh, I'll do 1.9 because then John will finish faster than me. So then I thought you'll do the extra 100. And I thought, no, no, do the right thing, Isles. I wasn't really in the zone in terms of listening to you uh, before we got in. You said, and as we jumped in and you already started it and you said 80 lengths, right? And I went, yeah, whatever. Uh, yeah <laughs> and then I started swimming oh, I probably should have said it's actually 96 um, 96 no you mean 76 76 yeah, so yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway we cranked that out um, I, I averaged 129 so it was made hard work of it though I did see I did a little warm up I did 150 metres warm up and then cracked into it mine you, was you I haven't swam in. in about 8 years mm-hmm. well, no I probably have swam once in 8 years I probably swam and since I gave up Ironman I've probably swam in a pool for a proper swim session mm. that'd be my 5th time Great. So my strategy was you're spending as little time in the water as possible. So I jumped out and um, timed Bevan just so I wonder what he's banging out these these hundreds in. And I think you're about 50, I only timed 150, you're, uh, you're about 58 seconds or so. For, yeah. So rough, just under two minutes. I'd imagine you were probably a bit quicker than that earlier on and just a gentle fade. Well, my, my approach to the whole day was you're just completing it. So there was no intensity in anything I was trying to do. So mm-hmm. like in the swim, I was just keeping it cruisy, just making sure I got the distance done. Because I just, the thing is, and it was interesting, um, we're talking about my run. I, my, I blew out my calf in the end, so I didn't actually complete it. So about 10k to go on the run, I blew out my calf. But I've always thought to myself, because I'm fit, hmm. you know, and I've always thought to myself, could I just pop up and do an Ironman? Hmm. And this weekend proves you can't. <laughs> and, uh, and interestingly, because when we did the IM Talk weekend, we swam on the night, yeah. then we biked the next day, and did we run the next day after that? Yep. Yeah, and if you asked me then, I would have said, yeah, of course I can, but you had the brakes. Yeah. And now I'm fit enough to complete a half Ironman, that's not the mm. problem, but my body just wasn't conditioned to doing that kind of exercise. Mm. And by no means in any stage of day do I push intensity. Mm. Like on the swim, I was going really cruisy because I was just like, I, I just didn't really know. Mm. And then on the bike, um, also we got the swim done, I was cruising. You went went to my garage and had technical problems from the outset. Um, I was logging onto Zwift and the meetup wasn't showing which means I couldn't join the others for the bike ride. Bevan was fine. He was all set up and ready to go. Yeah, I was getting any advantage minute, I could. Every time he drops out, I was like, yes. The minutes are counting down. We got to about three minutes. Oh, you were still, panicking, weren't you? Still hadn't logged on. Finally, I got on. Uh, and so Bevan was on the iPad, which I normally use for, for my training. He was on another kicker. And then I was on uh, my kicker and connecting via Amp Plus uh, onto my laptop, which I don't use a great deal. Uh, so luckily, I got there on time, and then we, we cracked into it. The bike, that was my first time using Swift, to be honest. And I, yeah, yeah, I've got to I'll interrupt you there. 
because Bevan, after the after the race, God, he goes, oh, I thought I would have felt a bit different on Zwift with the hills and that because we rode quite a hilly course. So yeah. For for Zwifters, we rode big foothills. It's got you know we I think we did about eight hundred fifty meters of climbing. And Bevan said, oh, I didn't really feel the gears uh, changing much. And then I noticed you weren't really changing gears at all. Uh, and I thought, oh, whatever, you just don't have a clue what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> and then the next morning, Blinders on the same kicker on the same bike, going, John, hills aren't working today. Something's wrong here. Oh, there you go. Oh, that okay. Me. That <laughs> me. Oh, you definitely, definitely felt. Your speed slowed down. Yeah, but no, you feel when you when you feel hills, okay. you've got to be changing gears. And oh, okay. Like that. So yeah, because I didn't get the full experience. I was just kind of like, I'm, yeah, okay, well, that's why I didn't get it then. Yeah, because I was just like, I was going slower, and but my, my effort was just consistent, and it didn't really slow me down. I was like, okay, well, I, I just sort of felt a lot more like riding in a real ride where you had to make lots of changes, and that's what it normally is. Yeah, okay. So we so. have to have you back uh, next for next, next time. Kona's not happening. Kona's happening this year, so next year. So, but we, we tried but, to run overall, and, and again on the bike, and you said this towards the end, you see, you just get a bit bored, don't you? Yeah. And you just, you just kind of, you know what it's like when you guys, you're doing a race, you get to that kind of last part of the run, you're just a bit over it. Mm. And, uh, and John finished, you know, maybe 15 minutes, 20 minutes for me. And so um, I was just kind of riding out that last bit and, <laughs> you know, I was kind of ready to get into the run. Yeah. As we doodled down the road um, to our local swimming pool where um, we had a bunch doing uh, a sort of a group session there. They were riding on the Perth Pro platform and they'd done their swim and they'd done their bike. When I got down there, they were just starting the run as well, which was great. So we had a little bit of company out there. Um, nobody ran really ran together, but we had an aid station set up. My kids turned up. Um, Hayden's uh, one of our local athletes. So his son was out there and they were handing out Coke and chips and yep, lollies. So it was, we kind of passed it twice each lap. And I was initially thinking, uh, I had my nutrition plan. I was thinking, oh, I don't know how much I'm going to tap into that. I was tapping into it a bit towards, <laughs> towards the end there, taking on the coke on the last lap. Uh, so that was good. So for me, the run, I thought, I want to run three-hour marathon pace uh, just to just to A, challenge myself a little bit. So when I'm in top, top shape, I back myself to run a three-hour flat marathon. Yep. Haven't quite, I've, I've been within four seconds of cracking it. So I thought, if I do that, it's probably going to be um, a little bit quicker. How did you push the bike? Well... It depends which file you look at. My Zwift file probably says about yeah, but, but, but watts. even just within feel, um, my heart rate was quite low, but I was only about ten watts below what I would in a normal Ironman. Okay. So I was pretty close, okay. but I was getting pretty frustrated. So on the bike, I had dropouts like you probably had all 10, the bloody didn't you? Oh, ten to thirty five hundred. Uh, I was doing my head in. Yeah, it was doing your head. Uh, because you just come to a grinding grinding halt and you're just not moving, you're, you're still pedaling. So I was getting pretty frustrated. Uh, so the bike took a you know a good ten plus minutes longer than I had anticipated, probably closer to 20, 15 to twenty maybe. Um, so yeah, didn't the bike effort wise was lower than Ironman, um, and the run effort um, felt a bit harder than Ironman, but my heart rate was pretty controlled, and I managed to hold it together. But I was I was getting a little tired towards the end. So my run, I actually started off. I was, well, again, oh, again, my, my strategy all day was run easy. You know, mm-hmm. just just get this thing done because I didn't really know how my body would hold up. And first ten, nine k's, feeling really good. And then about ten k, I got that first sign of hamstring cramp. Yeah. And you know, so you know, you can manage it as long as you don't do certain positions. Mm. You know, so like when you step up from the road to the pathway or stuff like yeah. that, you just can be a little bit careful. But I thought to myself, no, I can manage that. But then my calf was. Kind of just, I was just, oh shit, I'm gonna have to manage my car through this run. Yeah. So then about 10Ks, and there was a guy who was up the road for me whose boy was helping out. What was his name? Hayden. Hayden. Hayden was up yep. the road for me. Um, and he was kind of enough up the road that of 10K to go, I thought maybe I can 
try to chase him down if I feel mm-hmm. I've got to move it. And then my hamstring cramped. I was like, oh, should I better stretch to stop that? <laughs> and then I and then I just kept running. And my calf just stopping didn't help my calf. So yeah. then I ran for about another K. And I was like, shit, my calf's actually starting to play up now. And so I stopped and stretched my calf again. Shouldn't stop, John. Shouldn't stop. Should, as soon as I stopped, then I was like, game over. So yeah. I tried to run. I got back to the aid station. I said, Kylie, I'll, I'll see, I, I kind of thought I should try finish it. But I was like, no, you, you, you're actually really damaged here. So mm. I pulled out. And I wasn't really gutted, to be honest. Like, it was, it was a fun day. Yeah, and, and you did and well. I, and I think the lesson is, it is that thing of you can't wing an Ironman. Mm. You know, like, again, I'm a fit man. And, and I think I was saying last week, I've been in the top 10% of the first people in the country in comparison mm. to everybody out there. But I'm not conditioned. And cardiovascular-wise, I can get through that time frame, but you still need conditioning. Well, I think you need, if it, you'd get through the bike fine, you'd get through the swim fine, yeah. you'd get through probably the same distance on the run fine. Um, and that's whether, A, whether your body can actually handle it and you don't pull anything like you did at the yeah. weekend, but then it starts to get into that jarring and that's, I mean, you'd be able to walk it through if yeah. you wanted yeah. to. But like, actually, yeah, I could have finished it if I really wanted yeah. to, but it was but like... Running through is another question. Yeah, and, and again, there was no intensity all day. So mm. if I tried to go a little bit hard on those two first movements mm. i really would have screwed myself mm. <laughs> um, and it didn't remind me because i don't exercise like that anymore because i i don't do just long sustained sit in something for a mm. long time you know most of the work i do nowadays i still run and but i'd like to put efforts into my runs i don't really i haven't done long running in a long time mm. um and so it just reminded me of that kind of persistence of being slightly fatigued slightly uncomfortable slightly over it and, and still just sticking at it, yeah. um, you know, and it was, I haven't really done that. It was a cool experience. Yeah, and look, I know a lot of you guys didn't do it at the weekend, but um, we had a good handful that did and uh, got some really good feedback in terms of people saying it was wicked just to have that little thing to target and focus. And even if you're out there by yourself, you kind of knew that other people were doing it as well. Um, and it just added that little bit of pressure just to keep keep yourself going. And I, and I certainly felt that as well. So um, we had a bunch doing it um, and a few of them submitted a form that I created the holy hammer he was uh, early doors he got up uh, woke up at 3.46 on Saturday too early for the pool so did his uh, his bike first and then his run and then went and did his swim uh, so he got his done nice and early the grinder Chrissy McKinley she she also got it done on Saturday as well she did the Bevan mistake swam 2000 not uh, oh, 1900 I wish I knew. Um, and then she she rode on the Ruby platform over in the UK we had uh, David I think he's a green light kid yeah he's a green light uh, kid he was saying he had a perfect day for it um, he did say there were lots of people starting to come up on the on the he was run course, lots of families out walking, so there's a bit of weaving required in the run, but he said it was a pretty uneventful run, but he actually had a pretty good day, and he did the London Virtual Marathon. I saw like pictures of both, because David came on Epic Camp back in 2014 in Canada, and uh, it looked miserable doing the London Marathon, but he had some, a beautiful day to do it out there. Maria Hill, this is funny, so at the end of the run, she, she was doing it with our crew. I didn't know about this. Yeah, so at the end of the run, her shoe looked really funny. And I was like, have you spewed on your shoes? Because it kind of looked like, like it was a bit gooey and yucky. Yeah. And I said, have you spewed on shoes? She said, oh, no, my shoes, my gels were in my shoes. <laughs> so she starts to run. She's got here. It was all good apart from the two gels in my shoes, which is good fun. So basically, she must have forgotten that she put the gels in her shoes. Starts to run. Yeah. Breaks in the shoes. Greg Jones was out She's there. She's a beast, but she was killing it. Oh, it was Marie Tough bugger, you could tell. Yeah. Greg Jones down here, uh, he had a good old time, did it with our group, got the pacing right for once, so not totally busted at the end. Um, highlight was uh, 
we had Kylie Cox. She was helping out. Um, oh yeah, hot chick. The chicken. The chicken. Uh, the chicken. <laughs> the colonel. <laughs> the colonel. That's right. The colonel. The hot chick, John. She doesn't like the colonel best of all. Yeah, the colonel was out. The colonel had a bit of a hangover, and somebody, uh, Tracy Barr, took a picture of her uh, just in the corner in the in the chair, just having a little nap. <laughs> um, also, Paddy Cribb. He was with us on the. So Paddy uh, was subscribe. was Paddy the one that was just in front of you. He was no, behind you, coming and back and back and forth with me when I had my um, cutouts, and you you were about the uh, same sort of level. I was got the same kind of level, and then he just broke away a little bit, and I thought, do I chase him? And I thought, Oh, <laughs> you got to run to do. You don't want to blow a calf. And so, so what about Linda Rowe? We didn't give her any love. She, uh, as Linda, well. she she cranked it out by herself. Um, didn't do the full run, um, but she cranked out the the swim and the bike all solo on Zwift. Um, Jeff Roberts, G- Jeff Roberts did he, a pool he, swim. Yep, he did. A, he's in Christchurch as well. Did the did the pool swim, biked out on the road. Uh, didn't get attacked by any magpies. Um, coach's instructions were to do just a ten k, which he was quite thankful for uh, when I saw him yesterday as well. Paul Howes, he was he did his longest ever ride on Zwift. Did three hours thirty four out there, and then banged out two twenty nine on the run. Did it all by himself. Had his wife uh, Lee out there on the bike, uh, and there, but he had problems on the bike. Did it in a small chain ring as the bike wouldn't shift into the big oh. ring. No, that sucks. Good old Ku Yin, I'm going to say Chin. Uh, he, he did it and he's got, he was in Malaysia. Even with a cool, cloudy day, it was in, in the evening, it was 30 degrees Celsius. Uh, couldn't do the swim in the morning due to the rain and didn't have the time to replace it later in the day due to the family commitment. So just got on with the bike and run. Struggled a bit with the hydration on the run as couldn't find a good place to stash drink bottles. So ended up drinking only about five, eight k's. Also in. So his challenge on he still ran a one thirty six and thirty degree nice heat. Work. His challenge was he had planned out his run uh, to go into where he swims. He thought I can nip in there to get drinks when I'm going through the run. Then he didn't factor in you need to have a mask on when you go into Oh no. So he couldn't get in there. Oh, that's but a I've got a feel for that. He's just gone but straight back in last night, back into full lockdown. Like around the world and most of us Western countries, we go, yeah, we're in lockdown. In Asia, they go in lockdown they, and lockdown. You they are, are locked down, man. Full on. So Good old George, George Gray. He's got uh, really happy with the day. at George Gray. I push hard and am able to go be paying for that in a few days, I think. Ran a 127.36, nice rode a work. 2.18 on the Zwift course and ran a 29. So he qualified for Kona last year in Italy, so supposed to be racing Kona this year. So uh, he went out there and pushed it pretty hard. Mark Dixon, hot rod. Um, he had to do a Bevan on the run. He, he, I think he emailed me before a few days before saying, oh, I don't know if I can make it. I said, oh, just give it a crack and do what you can. So he did the full swim, did the bike, um, but I wasn't able to quite complete wise the move, run. Wise move, wise move. Don't push through an injury. Another one that spanked, that spanked it out, there was uh, Mikhail Stroker, who's up in Scotland, Polish guy living up in Scotland. He also banged out a 127.37 on the run. Uh, combined with his bike and his um, swim, was the fastest ever half Ironman he's done. Good work, good old Robert. Um, I'm going to say Sunderberg has got controlled swim in 25 meter pool, one lane to the entire swim. That was John. And I had that as well, didn't we? It did. It was great. Yep. Um, went. Uh, uh, started the big bike relatively easily. I am effort. Pushed the second half. Felt strong. Probably one of my best 70.3 spike splits of all time. Love your work. Uh, easy and controlled run. I am pace and pulled my left hamstring last weekend in the virtual 5k. So overall, good performance for me. Lots of people pulling their muscles at the yeah, moment. I uh, Matt Lionheart uh, Charlton. He's up in Carlisle. 
Isle in the UK. Uh, pool was pretty warm. He did his bike on uh, on Zwift as well, and then banged out a one forty half marathon. Good old Randy Cooper who has got a got a what has he got here? Got a had my PB for Paris a seventeen point three and PB nice. on my run. All all in all, a solid day. Thanks for the invite. And he ran a one twenty seven as well. Crikey, Dick. I, yeah. I thought my 129 was going to hold up pretty well, well there. You've been proven wrong. I got pantsed. Uh, Luke Egoltz, uh, when he did his swim open water, and he ran a 140, so some honest efforts. I was not tapered at all or tested for this. The bike went, went pretty well, but I had no run legs, and the motivation to push really hard wasn't there. So cruised the run at Ironman pace rather than wrecking myself. Overall, it was a great late-season event. Pike a day. He's got, I was forced to do the swim a day early on the 10th due to the pool-time restriction. They only also only allowed a 30-minute window, which I was able to do, complete 1,600 yards, 26, uh, 2646, uh, 140 times 100-yard pace. So total swim time is estimated based around that pace. I went for an Ironman bike, uh, which my fitness is far from where it was in my last Ironman. Bike felt pretty good, and I went out on too hard on the run for the first few miles, and by eight miles, the wheel started to fall off, and I was in survival mode for the last few miles. Got it done, and was definitely off my nutrition calculations and short of fluids on the runs. <laughs> He's from uh, Des, Mo- Des Moines in Iowa, which is where they used to have the big uh, money race in the States for ITU athletes. So well done to everyone who did the race. Thanks, awesome for, thanks for supporting it, and uh, hopefully you haven't got injuries like me. No. I'll, be, I'll be off running for a couple of weeks, I think. John, for a week at least. Yeah. So there you go. Good times. Uh, Jombo, let's go questions quick, and answers. I'll do questions and answers next week. I'm going to save those Okay, let's do a quick winger of the week. Winger of the week. Here we go. Pick a number, Bevan. I'm going to say... 1 to 100. 10, because I got 10 Ks into the run. 10, because you got 10 Ks into the run. Nice. Oh, what about Tracy Barr? Tracy Barr did... She did 10 Ks on the run as well. She followed yeah, we, coaches we give instructions. Well, she didn't fill in the form. Oh, Tracy Barr fill, fill in the form. form. Um, so last week, you said number 10, David Bryant. He did 20... What, you said 10, didn't you? Yeah. Yes. David Bryant, uh, from his Catalyst Dietitian. He swam 6 hours and 40 minutes. Good to see some people swimming in different parts of the world. He rode 9 hours and 31, and he, rode, and he ran 4 hours and 59 for a 21 hours and 21 minutes. That's weird. He's from Floriat in Western Australia. So nice work, David Bryant. Uh, to have a quick look at his longest ever sessions. Uh, he has done 200.2 kilometers. So Ooh. cracked the 200 uh, kilometer barrier. And let's see, his right, just running stats are always a bit marginal on this. Um, but he's done 1,478 runs on Strava. And his estimated best efforts for a marathon is a 3.54. And if you did that, you'd beat me by an hour and 10 minutes based off my predicted time. So good work. Okay, John, but just, just going to do a quick question and answers here because um, I got an email through from Ian uh, Bullock uh, and it's just saying uh, that Ironman did Blake a... Blake vi- Clock. Clock, sorry. Um, Ironman did a, a, a video on Twitter with Mike Riley talking about the fiercest woman to compete in the Ironman World Championships. And I actually watched this. Mm. No mention of Christy Wellington. Oh, really? And, it, and it's really poor because it's basically got all the people who won multiples. You know, yeah, it starts off with the first woman to finish an Ironman, which she yeah. did in the second year. Then they have Erin. Then it goes into Paul Fraser, Paul Fraser. Then who's the one who won six? Um, Natasha Badman. Natasha Badman. Um, Reef gets a mention. Um, uh, uh, who's, the, sh- who's the one who got second at the Olympics and only won it once? 
And Michaeli Jones. Michaeli Jones gets a mention. Yeah. No mention of Chrissy. That's a bit weird. I that, think there must just be a either an oversight and they'd do it. How uh, do you have that? Come on. Yeah. Um, that how, is a bit weird. That is, like, I didn't if, know about this. Have they got something against Chrissy that we don't know about? Well, were they get, maybe they did their own special feature on her, like a separate one. That's the only excuse I can give. Because when you think fiercest woman in the history of Iron Man, mm. well, you're going to go Baker. You're going to go. You're going to go the ones who won it yeah. more than once. Yeah. And they didn't really go. It wasn't really the fiercest day. It wasn't mm. like you know, really that day she took on. It was just the ones. It was kind of the biggest achievers. It was bizarre, and they've been giving a lot of crap, crap on Twitter, and justifiably so. That's weird because if I was if I was conducting that interview, my go-to would be you just go to Torsten's page or you go to there's, there's a slow twitch page. Well, you just go Chrissy. Yeah, I know. I, I, I'm not the funny thing is I'm, I'm, I'm obviously trying to, trying to it, the, the purpose of something like this is to engage females in the sport mm. and to, you know it's to celebrate females achievements which is great you drop the ball <laughs> and nice. you look like an idiot don't you so not, not that so is good a shocker that, that is a shocker because it was actually really cool well, it was well produced mm. you know Mike Riley does a great job it was, you know, it was done really well it was just like one of these kids, you know, like it's, it was pretty weird. Okay, John, let's just say thank you to our patrons. We've got a new patron. We've got a couple of new patrons. Oh, uh, look at that. And we've got Alex Paul who came oh, on, who was on today's show. So I think we've got to go a cricket reference here, um, Bevan. What was, what was, what was? Boundary Rider. No, what was um, West Indies? What was Rich, Viv Richards' nickname? Viv Richards. I don't know. You had Brian Lara as well. Nick. I, I, so one of my highlights of my life, my dad, my dad did a couple of cool things when I was a cool kid. Like one day, I think I've told you a story. Um, Master Blaster. Master Blaster. That's a great nickname. If, if you were still out, if you were still in the West Indies, we couldn't give you that name because you'd just look like a dick. Yeah. Um, but because you're the show and you and you're on the because you're and in you're the York, States, you are the Master Blaster. Master Blaster. But one one of the cool things my dad did when I was cool when when I was a kid. He, he got me. He, let, he rang school one day. And he said, "Bevan needs to come home. He's a family problem." <laughs> and I get home, and he goes, "Son, we're going to return to the Jedi." And I, <laughs> I love my dad that day. And then another day, he said to me, "Son, you're not going to school today. We're going to the cricket, and we got to go watch the West Indies." And this was when the West Indies were the, really good. Oh my god, they were like the best team in the world. So we turn up to the cricket. Gets rained off, but it's kind of one of those days where it doesn't really need mm. to be rained off. So I spent the whole day hanging out with the West Indies cricket team, and the, and it was like Martin Crow. Yeah. I got to do throwdowns with Richards. <laughs> I got, I've, also, I've got all the gold Jogana, all the great players, yeah. and I've still got the signature butch to this day. Oh, nice! Yeah, it was what a highlight of my life that day was. Yeah. So, um, yep. So you are so, um, Alex Paul. You are the master blaster. Petty Crib. Petty Crib. He's he's based down in uh, Arrowtown. I'm seeing him in a few weeks' time when we go through there with with Epic Camp. He's got number four on the way. Number oh, four. really? Yeah. So stop the madness. We go get the operation, mate. <laughs> yeah. Stop it now. Get that snip done, Paddy. Uh, and he did his simulation at the weekend. He had to go down to this uh, place called Millbrook because his local pool wasn't going to be open in time. And Millbrook's like this um, fancy it's golf resort. resort. Yeah. Uh, and I imagine that I haven't swum there before, but I imagine the pool's probably twenty meters, not twenty five. Could be wrong there. Um, so yeah, I doubt they go twenty five. Have to do Might quite be a fifteen few meters. Yeah, that's no, not my idea. Of I've fun. done that in a, I've done that in a hotel pool in Melbourne one time, and mm. I think I did like a three k set. Mm. You get dizzy. Yeah, you turn in a lot. So he's down there. He's done. He's done a variety of events. He's done uh, ITU Worlds. He did a few years ago. He's done some multi sports sort of stuff like the Red Bull Defiance. He's done that. Uh, you got a nickname, John? No, I haven't. I'm I'm trying to give you ideas. Um. Um. Well, I kind of think something about the distance. 
um, because every day he was in front of me all day the other day. Oh, right. I could just see him in the distance. Yeah. So okay. he wasn't like half wheeling you. He was just no. He was and he probably beat me by about four or five minutes in the end. But most of the ride, I could just kind of see his number. He was only like 30, 40 seconds. But about have we got going the distance? Well, have the we break, used it? He was like the break. He was just broken away from you. Okay. Or yep. The break or the going the distance. The um. Oh come on, John. We've got to get one here. Breakaway, Patty Crib. Breakaway. Breakaway. Okay. Breakaway. I can't break away. <laughs> you can even have a theme song, Patty. There you go. <laughs> one is one and two is two. Nice. Okay, if you want to become a patron of the show, you can uh, go to dub dub dub. I am talk top me. Um, no, I'm going to call him Soul Destroyer. Okay, Soul Destroyer. Soul Destroyer, because he kind of did. Because deep down, I think I wanted to stay with Patty. Yeah. You know, but I was being conservative because I knew I had to do my run. And I didn't want to blow my calf. Um, but he soul, he soul destroyed me. Okay. Yep, so Soul Destroyer. Is there a song, Soul Destroyer? There must be. Oh, I'll write one for my band, John. Yeah, okay, yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, the Soul Destroyer. Uh, okay, John, uh, if you want to be a patron, go to www.imtalk.me. John, sponsors. Uh, you can. We've got a whole bunch of uh, locations you can go and get a discount if you want to check it out. If you're in the States, go to generationyoucan.com. Use promo code IMTALK and you get yourself 15% discount as you do at smartperformancenutrition.ca. In Australia, generationyoucan.com.au. In New Zealand, superstarch.co.nz. And in the UK, you get 10% discount off at generationyoucan.co.uk. Sounds like a good plan to me, guys. And again, get great feedback on it. Check it out. It's a good way to keep your sports nutrition in a new way that helps you perform better. John, if you want to get show email to you, go to www.imtalk to the bottom of the page. Also, that's where you become a patron. For great coaching, go to coachjohnnewsome.com. Uh, for my podcast, bevanjamesisles.com. Actually, I've got an injury expert on next week. <laughs> did you? Yeah, did you? That, that was yeah, quite apt yeah, timing. Yeah. He's a running kind of guru and he's got a, and I don't normally, my podcast is not really about technical stuff. So we're kind of talking about the psychology of injury. So mm-hmm. I'll, you can check that out next week. Uh, other content, age group of the week, call websites, other feedback, go to www.imtalk.com. No, sorry, I'm talk podcast at gmail.com. John, your goss. What's my goss? I'm going out to, I'm quite excited. I'm going to test my little GoPro type camera just no. um, So it's the first time I've ever used one of these. I so. saw it was on your bike. It is. I'm hoping, I, I thought my car, I normally bike up here, but today I brought the car. And my and, fan. And the, yeah, and the fan. Yep. And the bike, the mountain bike's on top of the roof. And I was like, do I climb up there and take the camera off or do I trust Bevan's neighborhood? I've trusted your neighborhood. So I'm hoping it's still out there. car has been broken into, John, yeah. twice. So I don't know if you trust this neighborhood. Oh, well, that, that could it's be not the neighborhood, John. It's the riffraff who come into our neighborhood. Exactly. So I'm going to go do that. And then, uh, to be honest, right now, between here and the next week, it's just like epic camp preparation, getting ready for that. Starts when? Starts a week Friday. We assemble a week Friday, okay. starting on the 24th. Epic camp assemble! Yeah. And I was saying to Bevan, the weekend, I was supposed to be staining my deck. I gave That's my right. deck a really good scrubbing. Yeah. yeah, you're really good at scrubbing your deck. And, uh, you practice I, every day, don't you? Yeah, and yeah. then I got, this, I got the water blaster out and blasted You blasted it. your deck? Yeah, blasted You water blasted your deck? And it was Jeez, a polished, man. It was polished nicely, ready yeah. to go. Was you didn't blend it or polish it? No, and then... Uh, <laughs> And then it started raining. Oh, you said Couldn't Sunday you might do it. Then I tried. I was going to do it Sunday after a half Iron Man. I was all pumped and ready to do it. Ran out of time. Where's your dick? By the swimming pool. Oh. Just a small one. I built it myself. Me and my dad built it. Oh, nice. Yeah. It we makes you feel manly, doesn't it? It does. It's, uh, it was quite an engineering feat, if I do say so myself. Why? 
Well, we, we had to smash out, uh, we had a spa pool there. It was Our pool was really, really old. And there was a spa pool there. And we're like, we're never going to use that spa pool yep. because it's too far away from the house. If you've got a spa pool, yeah, it's got to be, be out the bedroom door. Out the bedroom door and into yep. it. It's too far away. And even our old house, it was that. downstairs outside the bedroom door. Never used yep. it. So we thought, getting rid of that, it was like a concrete spa pool. I just thought, I will bash it in. Holy crap, man, that was a lot of work. It was all this reinforcement in it. It took forever. And then we built it over the top of this smashed out spa pool. Why didn't you just build it anyway? It was because it was elevated too high. Oh, okay. It wasn't sunk into the ground. Okay, okay. So that was my uh, my weekend. Now, part of the simulation was a big part of it. That took us until about one thirty on Sunday. So that wiped out half the day. It was good Tell times. you what, John, I was tired. So I was we, tired yesterday, the day after. Same. And we watched the rugby. So the rugby, the rugby was frustrating as hell. Congratulations, Australia. You, well, you well, they got, drew. You, they won, really. No, they didn't. They it's drew. a draw, but they got the moral Psychologically, victory. Psychologically, it's a moral victory. Oh, is it? Why? They, they but why did they not do a drop kick? Yeah. I was doing my head in. Anyway, uh, and then watching TV that night, and I literally just fell asleep. And then last night, uh, yeah, that broke me off, John. He's still been, he's been yawning all show this yeah, morning. Tell you. So. Good times. Anything else happening this week, Devin? Uh, anything happening in my life this week, Jombo? Not that I can see in front of me right now. Gosh. No, no, I'm just getting my body right because my glute was sore before it anyway. Was. So that that's still a bit funny. My whole right side of my body's screwed right now. <laughs> it's paralyzed. So, so I'm gonna do a left left run race. That's what yeah. I can do. Okay, John, let's wrap it up. Iron Rush. I'm in. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. kaha.